Welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 136. Hello, everyone. Lovely Hello. to see you. Lovely to hear you. I was talking to the listeners out, not you. Oh. <laughs> Hello to you as well. <laughs> Lovely to see you both. Hello to everyone, wherever you may be. Uh, I am Merle. I am joined this week by the one and only, very eager to get stuck in, Eleanor Goodman, Deputy Editor of at Metal Hammer. How you doing, Elle? I am okay, thanks. I was very excited and now I'm sad you weren't talking to me. I am talking to you now. We'll have plenty of talking time okay. as, the, as the evening progresses. Uh, I'm also joined by the one and only Jonathan Seltzer, Reviews Editor of Metal Hammer. How are you doing, Seltzer? I'm all right. Yeah, for one and only, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> good, good. Good stuff. Um, we have, I'm very excited about this because I have the subscriber edition on my desk right now and it looks absolutely badass, if I do say so myself. We have a brand new issue of Metal Hammer out in the shops right now. We are celebrating 50 years. Can you actually believe this? 50 years of Judas Priest, the most metal band of all time. Facts. I'm not having any arguments on the matter. We talked to the band about their career, uh, the many highs and lows that they have experienced in a quite frankly phenomenal and roller coaster five decades in music together. Um, we talked to all five current members. And uh, we also have some cool and exclusive stuff about what the future holds for them. And it might just include some brand new Judas Priest music, which we're very excited about. Um, it's an awesome cover job. It looks badass, as I said. Uh, so you should go pick it up right now, whether you're a Judas Priest fan or just a fan of anything heavy and metal. Um, and there's loads more stuff in the new issue as well. We have a look inside the new Mastodon release where they take us inside the uh, rare and B-side tracks that make up their new album. Uh, we talk to the one and only Greg Pucciato about his brand new and first ever solo album, uh, which has just got a maddening amount of different stuff on it and is very interesting stuff indeed. Um, we talk to the one and only Perry Farrell, another enigmatic and brilliant rock star about uh, his amazing life and career in and out of Jane's addiction. Uh, One we of my talk... heroes. Go on, go on, go on. Yeah, no, just when I was when I was like in my teens, Jane's addiction. I was obsessed with them, and I was obsessed with Perry Farrell. Um, yeah, it was just such an. It always just came across like such an interesting, unique individual, and um, and just that band. Like, if I could take five records to a desert island, Richard the Habituals would be one of them. Just that record makes me feel so happy, and I think I mentioned this in the piece I did with him that the best description someone said of Jane's. Mm -hmm. Was that they they rock out at three sixty degrees, yeah, and um, yeah, it was just this kind of like it's just just this kind of like absolute, um, yeah. For if we felt like any kind of outsider, he kind of celebrated that. Um, he could, you know celebrated his kind of his difference and and his freakishness, and yeah, I just I just absolutely love that band. So to speak to Jet Perry Fowler was a real honor, and yeah, the guy's awesome. Can't really answer a question or tell anecdotes. He just goes off on a, on tangents, but the tangents are always the scenic route's always the best route. Yeah, it is an, a fantastic feature as well. If I do say so myself. So uh, that is also in the latest issue. Also in the brand new issue uh, that is out right freaking now. Uh, L chats to Ghostmane, who is I mean he didn't like us using the term trap metal, but I think it's the best way of kind of making people understand what he's all about. Um, he's kind of like the first kind of superstar that trap metal has produced, hasn't he? And he sounds like a really interesting. Uh, character yeah i think he would we talked about this in the piece he could kind of go with trap metal if it's used to describe a loose 
configuration of people doing similar things. But his point is he spent years and years and years working on his craft, basically blending old school hip hop with metal 90s metal legends like Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Munson to produce trap metal. So you've got beats, you've got uh, sort of metal riffs, and lyrics and um, the metal aesthetic. So he dresses very much like Manson used to dress in the 90s. He's got a cool stage show. So yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's an awesome feature as well. Really enjoyed reading that. Um, trap metal, whether, you know, the, th- the thing about labeling labeling genres is as soon as you come up kind of come up with a catchable tag like every artist involved in it instantly wants to distance themselves from it like it happens all the time doesn't it carpenter brute doesn't want to be called synthwave um you know 90 percent of the actual good bands to come out of the new metal scene didn't actually want to be called new metal uh and so you can kind of understand why he maybe doesn't want to be uh caught up in that because he does slightly precede it but he's a fascinating artist and uh, i think our feature is absolutely swell that's in the new issue as well. Uh, and we've got loads of stuff in there. We've got Sepultura in there. We've got a great feature on Amaranth and the amazing uh, journey that their singer, Elise, uh, went through to get to where she is today. Uh, we've got stuff with Evil in there. We've got stuff with Charvo from System of a Down in there. He's got quite a big feature, giving us his life lessons in there. Um, we put your questions to Devil Driver and Cold Chamber legend, Des Fafara. Uh, it's all in the new issue. Uh, the cover is Judas Priest. It's the most metal thing you will put in your eyeballs this month. So go and pick it up right now. It's in uh, shops across the UK, or you can get it from tinyurl.com slash gethammer. That's uh, tinyurl.com slash gethammer. I should say as well that for Corey Taylor fans out there, we still have a few of his bundles left as well, featuring exclusive Corey Taylor cover and a specially commissioned art print hand numbered and signed by the excellent artist adam forster adam forster excuse me who has done a ton of cool stuff over the years uh, so yeah if you're a Corey fan and you haven't picked up one of those bundles yet go to tinyrl.com slash cory bundle to get your hands on one because it is very 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 good indeed uh el you were just saying that you checked out the lincoln park stream on uh over the weekend what was that all about because i have to admit that flew a little bit under my radar actually Yeah, so obviously there are loads of celebrations at the moment for Hybrid Theory turning 20 and that amazing box set that's come out as well. And so they had this live stream on Friday available over the weekend as well. And there was a QA and a with the band, which um, was really interesting, followed by footage from their Project Revolution tour from 2002. Um, So it was about an hour Q&A and sort of an hour on the concert stuff. And I love hybrid theory. I've, I've talked, you know, I've made no secret about that. I've said so many times, like how much I've loved it. It was such a huge record for me growing up. It was one of the first records from the heavy world that I really got attached to and has a huge place in my own personal history as well as music's history. Obviously, it's the biggest selling heavy record of the century, basically. Um, so it was really cool to see them come together and do a Q&A and they were talking about the early days and what it was like when they got together and when Chester joined and there's some really nice memories of Chester as well and Mike just talked about some of the sort of day-to-day stuff um, he said about how he and Chester always used to travel together so whenever they had to go on a plane or you know in a car to a hotel or whatever they'd usually be doing it together and they used to do a thing where they would make up characters I'm talking the characters' voices, but they wouldn't tell each other who the character was. They would just talk to each other and respond to each other. And he said, you know, 
if they'd be in a car for two hours just talking to each other in these made-up voices just like really annoying everybody behind them and that was kind of the nice thing about the Q&A was that they just kind of shared a lot of the smaller moments but the things that are actually really important in the big picture to what their dynamic was like as a band and again who Chester was as a, was as a person obviously incredibly talented but also you know by all accounts um, just a very very um, sociable friendly um, fun person to be around as well and a great band member so that was super cool it was a really good Q&A and then um, the Project Revolution tour stuff was just cool. It was just like going back in time, really. It's a total time capsule, you know, new metal fashion, big crowd, uh, all the hits from Hybrid Theory. And I really enjoyed watching it. Honestly, so much nostalgia in it. Uh, it did make me feel a little bit sad because obviously Chester's no longer with us, but just really kind of grateful to have been around and been at the right point in my life to listen to that record. I was 16, 17 and just... Um, being in that place where it felt like it really spoke to me so it was a really nice celebration amazing yeah just obviously Chester very much missed as you said and uh it's just it's cool to see so many people celebrating that record because obviously it was a hugely divisive record when it came out in terms of where it sat in the metal scene and everything else but um it just was undeniably the most significant album of its time in terms of taking heavy music to a mainstream stage I mean that whole era, we talked about the year 2000 earlier in the year because we did a big thing on Deftones White Pony and we kind of used that as a jump off to celebrate the year 2000. Um, you know, when you think about the, I think it's a week, it might literally be a week before Hybrid Theory came out, uh, Limp Biscuit Proud Chocolate Starfish, and it became the fastest selling rock album of all time. Um, and then a week later, Hybrid Theory comes out. I mean, it's actually almost unthinkable to think of metal and kind of heavy music shifting those kind of numbers and making that kind of impact on the mainstream um it's just it's such a different time and i just can't wrap my head around it i think I I this at the time but i was looking at some old um kind of chart numbers and stuff for a bit of research and like there were periods in the in the early 2000s where the top 40 chart would have like a seven or eight metal songs in it um, and even out, so you'd have like everyone from Limp Biscuit to Linkin Park to System of a Down, uh, Deftones, Slipknot, um, Papa Roach, like all these bands will just be clogging up the charts. And then even outside those ones, you'd have like the PODs and the, the, uh, the A's and like even like your Sum 41s and all those bands that were kind of on the outside of the scene. It was just like it was a crazy time and it felt like hybrid theory represent the kind of the pinnacle of that moment where rock music was actually the biggest genre in the world. Yeah, totally. And I hadn't, before all those bands came along, Linkin Park, Papa Roach, Daftones, Korn, I, you know, I mean, obviously they're all from slightly different time periods, but around the early 2000s is when I started actually understanding these bands existed and hearing them for the first time. So it was just huge for me. And Linkin Park were at the forefront of that um, whole kind of discovery for me. So just massive. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Um, I'm sure we like will find some excuses to talk about hybrid theory more and more. I think I'll be right. happy to talk about it more and more. I, I'd be happy to talk about every single track if you'd like. We could <laughs> well, maybe if the if I tell you what, if the if um, people listening right now would like us to do like maybe a special on hybrid theory or something, whether it's just a celebration or kind of uh, you know a dissection or you know however we want to do it, let us know on the uh, on the readers page and. Um, we can uh, we can definitely do that because uh, 
you know it's an album that uh, certainly Ellen and I helped get us into what we do right now so I'm very grateful for it and I'm super grateful that we got to see them perform it in full as well because um yeah I don't know did you see Linkin Park on the first way around or not no because I would have just been kind of getting into it I didn't I can't remember the first time I saw them but it wouldn't have been as soon as hybrid theory came out or anything like that. And I think I might've even heard it kind of in 2001. I was trying to work out like when I actually, when we got it in the UK and when I actually would have heard it and I couldn't quite work it out, but um, mm. I didn't see them like right then or anything. Um, I was probably just starting to go to gigs and that kind of thing. But um, that, that set of download is my favorite ever download set. I just loved yeah. it so much. And they did hybrid theory in full. It was amazing. Yeah. Me too, me too. 2014 was just, it was just absolutely unbelievable. The most fun half hour I think I've ever witnessed ever anywhere for anything. Um, I didn't actually see uh, Lincoln Park the first time around either, but I, weirdly, because I was just getting into it myself, I remember uh, my friend was going to see them. I think it was at Wembley where, I mean, how mad is this? Lincoln Park on Hybrid Theory supported Deftones on White Pony. Mm. <laughs> you think that tour and what it represented at the time. Um, but I didn't go because I'm an idiot and I, I hadn't really got into Deftones at that point. So, mug. Maybe I we'll say that. coming around, but, I, you know, like I said, I was just getting into gigs and probably didn't have a whole lot of money and all that kind of stuff. So it's just a bit more difficult, isn't it, when you're younger? But it is. It is. But we got there We got there in the end. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll have more to say about hybrid theory soon. Let us know if you'd like to like us to do that. Uh, lots going on in the metal world this week. I just added another note just now, actually, because I noticed something else has popped up. Um, in bum news, uh, Loathe have had to cancel their upcoming planned show at the Camden Jazz Cafe. Uh, they put out a statement, which you can read on their socials right now, saying there's kind of um, unique circumstances that forced them to, to pull what would have been, a, I guess, a kind of socially distanced, slightly different show. Um, I don't know if that's down to something that the band have going on or if it's just because, obviously, the kind of landscape is so uncertain at the moment because we're seeing... COVID numbers rising and we're seeing new rules introduced all the time. So I'm not quite sure what to do with that, but um, whether it is to do with that, sorry, I meant to say. Uh, but it does mean that Loth won't be able to do their their show that was going to happen later this month, which sucks. But uh, we do still have lots and lots of stuff going on. There's loads more streams and stuff to get stuck into, which I'm very excited about. Perhaps the biggest of these is uh, Metallica, who have just announced that they're doing a live and acoustic from HQ uh, stream on Saturday, November 14th. The show is kicking off at 2 p.m. Pacific time. I think that's going to be about 10 p.m. UK time, if my maths is right, um, on a Saturday night. So, you know, that's all right. Uh, and Metallica has said this is going to be a special charity event. They've said that this special acoustic show marks our second concert benefiting All Within My Hands, which is their, uh, their charity organization. And it would include an auction with some awesome items. The best part is that 100% of money raised from this event will go directly to help someone in need. So very, very cool. Uh, you can buy a virtual ticket for this um, uh, and you can uh, get stuck into the, uh, the the auction and everything else. There's numerous bundles you can, you can buy as well. And uh, as Metallica said, all the money raised is going to a really cool uh, nonprofit organization that goes uh, into giving back to communities around the world. Uh, so really, really cool stuff. Um, and if you want more info on that, we've got it on the Mel Hammer website right now. Um, tell me about another cool stream that's happening, Elle. We've got tons to pick from. Yeah, I'm really excited about the Pussifer stream that's literally just been announced, um, which looks 
absolutely amazing. So they're just about to release their album Existential Reckoning. And can you hear me okay, guys? I've just noticed there's an echo. No, well, you're fine. Carry oh, on. I'll just keep going then. So yeah, they're doing this amazing show at a place called Arcasanti in Arizona. And I looked it up and it's really super interesting. It's basically an architect from the 70s didn't like the way that cities were laid out and thought that they were too spread out. And so he wasn't into the idea of having like suburbia and kind of low rise housing. He wanted to build high rise housing that was very, very densely packed in a city area so that you could easily get around to people and things. And it was sort of like this interesting kind of um, idealistic utopian version of a city. So they started building this city in the 70s. But at the moment, only 3% of it has been built. So the plans show all these really amazing kind of concrete domes and this densely packed housing where people would basically live in concrete cubes on top of each other. But I think where the gig's going to be is in the amphitheatre, which is kind of this concrete, again, like a concrete dome kind of shape with these sort of steps leading from it. And apparently the steps were angled at a certain angle so that you could sit on them and look at the stars. But anyway, you should Google Arcasanti because I just got down this massive internet hole reading about this city and all these ideas about it and the people that were meant to live there. And it's just super, super interesting. So it's going to be a really atmospheric show, I think, from them. Awesome. I mean, that's one of the kind of silver linings of this, of the shit show that is 2020 <laughs> in that, uh, you know, we're just seeing bands take up these really unique and interesting opportunities and finding new ways to kind of just get us like stuck into something a bit different which is really really cool um uh trivium are also doing another stream the kings of streaming i think it's probably safe to say at this point uh, it's their third big stream to happen this year following the excellent uh, a light or a distant mirror set a few months ago um and the deep cuts one they did uh, more recently this one is another deep cut deep cuts stream it's happening uh 8 p.m uk time oh god where's the date and then, and then, uh, I'm an idiot and I didn't. <laughs> um, Who are the kings of streaming though? Um, they really will, are. In terms of actual streams that are just gigs, this will be the third one, right? Because Matt streams obviously all the time on Twitch. But this is the third gig. It is, yes. And thank you, may I say, Eleanor, for that excellent and very professional time filling while I found the date. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're doing it on October 24th. Sorry, I left it on my notes like an idiot. Um, so yeah, 8 p.m. UK time, October 24th, live from Matt Heafy's Twitch channel, which has just, you know, been an unbelievable success over the last few years and has really, uh, you know, been a massive hotspot for metal fans this year in particular. Um, it's all happening right then. It's another deep cut set. There's going to be loads of uh, songs they very rarely play on there. You can actually see the full deep cuts to set list that they're going to be playing uh, on the Mount Hammer website right now and you can actually vote for the order in which they want to hear the songs which is quite a nice little touch as well so yeah lots of good streaming stuff uh Jonathan tell me about the Orange Goblin celebration yeah, um which is like wow so they, yeah they're doing two streamed live shows uh from the Dome in London Duffner Park on November the 15th and the 16th um there's going to be a few tickets for the actual van itself. Um, so again, probably social distance, but yeah, just like the streams, I know they're going to be amazing, but you want, but just being in an audience at an orange goblin gig is just such a celebratory, celebratory experience. Um, and yeah, obviously you can, you can buy tickets to the streams online. 
Um, and yes, uh, according to Ben Ward, the, the singer, they're going to celebrate a different ear of the band every night. So, um, I, so you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to either you know the earlier like really you know because they're really a big part of the um, that '90s stoner boom. Um, and so yeah, the earlier albums they're kind of a bit more psychedelic, and then they kind of stripped themselves down and just became this uh, just lean metal machine really. And um, so just having both those aspects and hearing the um, early psychedelic stuff again will be absolutely amazing. I can't wait for that. Um, they're just they're you know they're just they're, they're like a national institution. They're like our like a they're just like our band these days. And um, and yeah, just. It's, it's a shit year for them to be celebrating the 25th anniversary, but I know it's going to be a massive celebration for all of us in either way. And we need that, especially come the end of what's go what's going to be a shitty year and probably a shitty Christmas too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said, it's great to see that bands are still finding ways to do stuff. They, and Orange Goblin had to cancel their tour they had planned or at least postpone it. Um, celebrating 25 years in the game, just one of the greatest metal bands to have ever done it from this country and uh we're really really excited about this so whatever you're doing november 15th and 16th make sure you don't miss those shows um it's gonna be big it's gonna be emotional it's gonna be you know it's gonna be what orange goblin do best which is a big fat heavy metal celebration um so yeah you can go and uh go and um go over to orange goblin socials or to the metal hammer website to find out exactly how you can get stuck in i think we're doing a, an interview with ben um on the on the website as well uh, this week to talk about that which you can um, you can find out jonathan put his hand up are you doing it yeah uh no there's one other piece of news which is also um hold on i haven't finished this plug yet yeah <laughs> so yeah anyway i thought i thought you were gonna say i thought you were gonna say that you were doing the ben ward interview i got confused then no no oh, I thought I'd be happy. ignore me look anyway there's a big old Orange Goblin stream happening November 15th and 16th. And we got an interview with uh, Ben Ward from the bands coming up imminently on the Metal Hammer website. One of the greatest metal bands ever. Go support them. They rule. We love Orange Goblin. Right. Take it away, Jonathan. What else is going on? Yeah, there's one more piece of news, um, which is another example of what a shit show uh, 2020 has been. Um, yeah, just this week, uh, one of the greatest extreme metal artists, uh, Timo Cotola, passed away. Uh, from an illness, I believe, and there's like a small coterie of like unique of like you know extreme metal artists who have done you know cover art um, that you instantly recognise their um, you know their art style had an amazing grisly sort of chronic quite gnarly art style, and he done he done covers for Death Spell Amiga, Dissection, Marduk, uh, Titan Blood. Uh, and loads more and it's just um it's just such a great loss for the extreme metal world and for the art world in in, in general like it, his stuff was so uh, there's such intense visions even though they didn't have a lot of color in them but the texture of, of his artwork and these kind of almost like chalk like drawings they're just like when you see those images they were really burning into your brain and just like that you know his artwork has such a unique world to it and yeah, he's just gone really far too soon, and it's and it's and it's it's just absolutely gutting. So, uh, rest in rest rest in power, Timo Katola. Absolutely uh, agreed on those sentiments. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a hard year for for sure, and there's a lot to lot to think about on that. But uh, you know, as I always say every week, um, you know, we'll all see each other through with this shit one way or another. And uh, I'm glad we've got these kind of um, these events happening to kind of keep us ticking through until life returns to some kind of normality again 
Um, and speaking of good things that are happening right now, uh, one of these is this week's album of the week, um, which is, is this a debut album from Molasses? Yeah, they've, yeah, it, yes. It, they've had one EP under a slightly different name, but I'll explain that. Okay, cool. So, so uh, this, yeah, this is the debut. This is the debut full-length album from Molasses. It's called Through the Hollow out on Season of Mist on Friday. Uh, now, this band feature ex-members of the much-loved and much-missed uh, psychedelic occult band, The Devil's Blood. Um, we, we used to cover The Devil's Blood a ton in Metal Hammer when they were around. Uh, one of the bands that really, I feel like, defined a big part of kind of subterranean and, and the kind of underground scene that we were celebrating um, at the time in Metal Hammer uh and uh so if you if you're into the devil's blood at the time and if you haven't listened to the devil's blood before go back and check them out now fantastic band um you're probably gonna have a good idea of what molasses are all about i mean the first single that they released off this album is 11 minutes long so it's not you know this is really kind of involved uh as i said kind of psychedelic occult rock and roll really good stuff um and i think you know jonathan you're probably the best place to to tell us the background of this album and and yeah i mean mean, yeah i mean i mean this album has a tragic background too because um uh salim lamushi he passed away uh, in 2014 and um and salim was obviously part of the devil's blood yeah yeah he, he was he was kind of the it was his brainchild and Farida, who's a singer for Molasses, was also the singer for Devil's Blood, is is his sister. Um, so yeah, that was kind of really heavy. So, I mean, at that point, the Devil's Blood had had pretty much um, folded, and he was doing a project. They were doing a project together called Salim Lamushi and His Enemies, which was a bit more avant-garde than the Devil's Blood. And I think even some fans of Devil's Blood had, a, you know, found that hard to get into. But once you did, it was a whole kind of new. Um, uh, sort of world to get into with elements, but it was just, um, you could hear like the Devil's Blood albums getting a bit more disillusioned as time went on. But when the EP came out, the first EP, Come Reap, I have never seen like a record hit have such an impact immediately. Like, there were talks about people trying to sell them for a million dollars. There's something really ecstatic about it, but a cold take, it had kind of elements of like late 60s, like um, Jefferson Starship in it. And, um, but, you know, it had their own kind of very unique sound too. It was, it was so um, so identifiable as the devil's blood. Um, so, yeah, so in 2014, uh, I guess it would have been April, when um, Salim Lamushi and his enemies were supposed to play at Roadburn. And he passed away uh, um, not long before, like not long before that. So that turned into a tribute to Salim Namush. So every single member of the Devil's Blood was on stage. They had this uh, usually on, at Roadburn, have like a big backdrop uh, where they people you know uh, project their own films onto it. And so these films of like Salim Namush in slow motion. And I tell you what, it's, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it is generally the most emotional live experience I've ever been through. Like people who knew him came out just absolute floods of tears. I was in tears by the end of it. I can't. There's a little bit of video on YouTube, and I can't even look at that without sort of like, like completely tearing up. Not just for, you know, in in part because of the um, in part because of the uh, circumstances, but also just because just the emotional power of what those musicians and Farida were able to bring so so then yeah so um you got an answer though that Farida was going to do a new band called Molasses uh, Molasses is the name of a track of, of Salim and it, 
Salim Lamouche and his enemies album. Um, and they put an EP and they date, well, they debuted at Roadburn uh, last year. And I was still looking forward to it. I was thinking, what are they going to come out with? So it's a much, it's you, obviously you can hear lots of elements of Devil's Blood. Live, it was a much proggier version. And I wasn't quite prepared for how proggy it was going to be at the time. And um, I just felt it was a little bit too much going on for it to completely cohere. So I was really curious to see what's going to happen with the album. And when the album came out, but this is now Molasses with an extra S at the end. Uh, the EP came out the normal spelling of Molasses. And and I heard this, I was just like, when you say blown away, it's it's a very kind of slow release blown away. Like you're just, you're just getting slowly blown away over the course of the album. Because you can hear lots of devil's blood in it, but there's something different as well. And the pace is kind of like slow. It's like, it, it's kind of slower. Um, so it just allows something more to else to emerge. It's got kind of more jazzy feels to it, like kind of that kind of clavier piano. And I don't know if you notice, but every song is on its own same tempo. The, the tempo never changes. So it, it feels like it's very kind of like impressionistic journey of like kind of like almost like trundling through this um, landscape or it's kind of like jazzy noirish landscape. But then if, but because the, the tempo stays the same, they slowly kind of like takes on more kind of textures. And so it becomes like really trippy, but in a really slow frog in a pot, you don't really notice it kind of way. And so, and like, you know, Frida's voice is amazing as ever. It's kind of, it's smoky. It's got, it's a really full bodied, it's really expressive. And I just, I love the fact that, um, it just seems to happen, like it, it seems to occur over a much longer period of time than you normally experience music. Um, it doesn't go for the cheap, kind of like sad, happy, um, you know, release or anything like that. There's no kind of release. It's this constant ongoing thing that becomes kind of slowly more trippy as you go along. And I'm just, I just, I'm just absolutely in love with this record. And um, and it is, it's re and it is really moving, but. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't do any of, the, any of the normal cheap tricks to be moving. It. It's not kind of emotive in your normal sense, but it's. It's also yeah. It, it kind of like plays with your mind, but very subtly as well. So I, I, I'm absolutely in love with this record. Yeah, uh, that's. Uh, I mean, that's more succinctly put and and wonderfully expressed than I than I could could hope to get into really. Um, certainly, an album that demands a lot of attention. You know, like I said, the the. The kind of single they released was eleven seconds, uh, eleven minutes long. So yeah, um, it's called it's called um, uh, it's got this it's got this killer line in it as well. This really important line, um, which is uh, the devil. I think it's uh, it's hard to, to make out, but the devil's blood is left with me. Wow. Uh, so it's in a song called "The Devil's Lives," and that's the final track on the album. And so yeah, so. It's obviously trying to like process some something. Obviously, you know because you know you 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 know your um your your brother passed you know your brother passed away, and um and it does it on its own unique time frame, mm. and so and the, yeah, it feels like something kind of like like I said everything everything happens over such a stretch you don't really notice it until like hold on a sec, but it's kind of it's got a slightly mystical feel to it as well, and. It's just yeah, that voice is just—it's got so much kind of experience in it that it doesn't 
um, you know, it doesn't have to keep playing for your heartstrings. It's just, it's just in there, and mm. it just, it's, you know, it just comes out over over the over the course of the record. And yeah, just really special piece of work, art piece of art. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, that is molasses through the hollow out uh, this Friday via season via uh, season of mist. Um, uh, and yeah, whether you've you know you're familiar with the Devil's Blood and their story or not, uh, I highly recommend you check this album out. It's a it's a real unique and uh, and moving piece of work in a year full of great albums. Um, and on that note as well, uh, we forgot to mention the De- the Venom Prison album that came out last week. Um, when we're kind of rounding up what's out there. So maybe if you want something that's just a little bit of a palate cleanser after that Molasses album, uh, don't forget to go and um, blare the ever-loving shit out of that Venom Prison album that came out last week. Uh, it is an absolute monster. Um, re-recorded old tracks and a couple of new ones as well. It all sounds absolutely ferocious. Uh, it's called Primeval and that's out now. Um, I would say that the Molasses album is a soul cleanser. <laughs> yeah, very, very fairly put. Very fairly put uh right let's take some questions from the facebook page where our readers hang out shall we uh it's facebook.com slash readers if you want to join us do you want to do this first one l sure ben wilmer asks have you had to do your end of year best of 2020 lists already if so what's as yet unreleased but we should keep both eyes on I mean, this is a very savvy and knowing, <laughs> it, it, it feels like a knowing uh, question from Ben because we literally, I'm not exaggerating, uh, finished off uh, our, uh, our albums of the years list um, that's coming up in a couple of months today. So we've just got it all in. Obviously, we're not revealing any spoilers. Jonathan did a sterling job uh, tying it all together as always. Um, but what's that? what's kind of not out there yet that, people should be ready for because i think maybe some people know that if you're a band and you've got an album out in kind of october november december you sometimes slip between the cracks a bit when it comes to these lists because people haven't had a chance to listen to them yet um you you go ahead you go ahead ahead because your review's edited jonathan yeah so there's a few actually uh i'll kind of do them in um in sort of chronological order. So there's a couple of things we reviewed this this issue that I would, there were, I mean, some of them got, got votes. Well, one of them got votes, but um, it, it might've got higher, but I guess they were kind of a um, an acquired taste, which is Nibiru, which is an Italian band that we've, co- that we've covered in the magazine before. Just the most tripped out psychedelic sludge band you've ever heard. I think I described them as like having your brain put through like a celestial combine harvester. And um, yeah, they stay. They like they kind of sort of sort of came out of nowhere. And yeah, me and Dom, we heard the first few albums, couple of albums, and we were just like Dom Lawson, that is, and we we're just like, holy fuck, what is this? Just like, just like you're just looking over the precipice, and you've just seen the great swirling mass of the void in front of you. And um, so, so Italian three piece, they sing in Enochian, which is like the which is the language of angels, according to the. Elizabethan physicist Sir John D. Um, you know when he when he believed he could him and him and his cohorts could um, speak to angels through mirrors called a scrying mirror. So they there's a bit of background and and again this is music that just pulls your brain apart over over time. But even by their standards, you know most bands they um they get more easy to listen to. This band is just going further out, and so they they have an album out. 
uh, coming, uh, which was, which, um, yeah, just test yourself against that. Um, there's a great band called Calandro who've got an album out. Um, uh, Norwegian band, sort of partly in the pop noir, but they came all from that kind of Norwegian fake, pagan folk scene. Um, they did a um, they did a, a cover of um, Vardrunas Helvegen, which is their signature song, which is a very brave thing to do. But my God, it's incredible! And uh, the singer Katrina's voice is just it's just one of the most in a very scanic, very scanic, but one of the most sublime voices you've heard. And so this is the first, I think they've been around for nearly 10 years, the debut album. And it feels just like it's been percolating and um, being distilled over the course of like eons, basically. It's beautiful and just next level talent, total class. Um, uh, there's a black metal record that's coming out in December. I just heard yesterday called Imhar Tarakat. Uh, coming out on Prophecy Productions or their subsidiary Lupus Lounge. It's you're gonna have to you're gonna have to spell that one. Yeah, I M H A, then T A R I K A T, and it's as far as like straightforward like non psychedelic black metal, though it becomes a bit psychedelic. It's by far the best black metal record I've heard all year. Uh, one of the best black metal records I've heard for ages. Just absolutely relentless and raging. Just jet, like when when something has genuine power. You, you can really tell with this kind of stuff. And this really has it. There's, there's one song that sounds like a bit like um, Killing killing Joke Gone Black Metal. And um, it's up there with your Sfati Dowdies and your, and you know, you know it's, it's absolute top tier black metal. And um, it's just amazing. And the, only other, the other one that I'm looking forward, looking forward to coming out is Opium Warlords, which is uh, Albert Witchfinder. He used to be in the famed doom band Reverend Bazaar. Um, you know, he's had, he's had a lot of personal issues to deal with, but this album's, but, um, but all his albums are like, you know, they're kind of classic doom mixed in with weirdest idiosyncrasies. This is more on the classic doom side. And, um, it's great to have Albert Witchfinder back because he's a legend in our scene. Wow. Awesome. That is a hell of a list right there for people to, uh, jot down and look forward to. Um, what about you, Al? Is there anything still yet to technically come out that you want to put on people's radars? Yeah, I was going to say the Ghost Mode album that we talked about earlier, Anti-Icon, that's out in a couple of weeks. Killer Be Killed have a new record coming out, which is really cool. Um, and there's a record that's literally just come out, um, a band called Sordid Pink, and the record's self-titled, so that's called Sordid Pink. And I've just got super, super obsessed with it. They used to be Destiny Potato, the tech metal band, um, and it's kind of, uh, they've dialed back the tech metal and sort of dialed up the catchiness and it's hard to describe it goes through loads of different styles like what was i describing it to you as the other day i even said the word paramore but don't let that put you off if you hate paramore it's just really fun interesting cool record with loads of different kind of styles on it but sounds really modern yeah cool. i remember that uh, destiny potato they played the tech fest a couple of, a few years yeah ago. yeah they're a really cool band as well are they russian or something but obviously no. the same people but well are they russian not that i'm aware I have a feeling they were like from that that part of the world. Uh, I can't remember, so now I'm going to have to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a cool shout though. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, when Elle said that they were, I, I'm, I wasn't a big Destiny Potato fan to be honest. I'm not big on that kind of stuff. And Elle kind of stressed that they, they don't really sound like that. And uh, I listened to them, and yeah, Sorted Pink are pretty cool. They are definitely different uh, to what Destiny Potato were doing. The um, internet says Serbia. Serbia. Okay, it's so not not far off. 
There you go. Um, and yeah, absolutely back the killer be kill record as well. That is really, really, really good. Um, don't quite want to say surprisingly good because it's got some of the greatest minds in heavy music behind it, but it is like really, 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 really good. Um, and yeah, the Paul Bear album, which comes out in a couple of weeks, um, we will go in deep on that. I'm sure I think we'll probably make that the album of the week for that week. Uh, Doom Metal Magnificence, that's on the way. Um, so yeah, still lots of great stuff still to come this year. It's been an just eruption of amazing music this year. Um, as you will all find out when you read our uh, our albums of the year list in December. It's going to be a biggie. Uh, Ian Blano Roberts asked, would you like some toast? I wouldn't mind a bit of toast. What do you have on toast? What's your, what's your favourite topping? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I read this question just before we did this podcast and I thought, yeah, I would like some toast. So I made some toast. And then I put cheese in the middle and made it into a cheese toasty. So I probably should have done it under the grill, but I didn't have enough time. So yeah, it made me want it. There you go. Ian Blano Roberts affecting real world change. Um, that's that's the classic toast. What is? Peanut butter and honey. Interesting. I've never had that. That sounds horrible, Jonathan. It's absolutely incredible. Sounds um, a lot of things you can put on peanut butter. That, that works really well. Uh, uh, my brother taught me the glories of peanut butter and garlic. Believe it or not, that sounds horrible too. Why are you just saying horrible things? Peanut butter and honey is amazing. It's you don't know what I you're missing. I like peanut butter. I just make myself eat it sometimes because it's healthy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, John Haylock asks: With the Aussie tour pushed back to 2022, do you think it's ever likely to happen? Uh, John says, "I hope so, but I'm not optimistic." And then he asks, have you ever held a ticket for four years or more for a show? That is a long time, isn't it? Four so years in the making. Um, do we think the Aussie, the Aussie tour will finally happen? Um, who knows? There's literally no way of knowing. I mean, you hope so, don't you? But we don't even know what's happening like tomorrow. Yeah, this is it. This is it. You just don't know. Um, I mean, as well as the kind of epidemic shenanigans, obviously Aussie's been, uh, in, you know, slightly worse for wear health over the last couple of years. Um, but uh, the thing is, he seems absolutely hell-bent on just touring whenever possible. So if if he's doing it and he's up for it and everything's back to where it should be, which I, I definitely hope it will be by then, um, why not? I'd still like to see... I'd definitely like to see Aussie at least one more time, especially with... I mean, we've got Judas Priest on the front cover of this issue, and their last album is one of my favourite things they've done, and ridiculously, I've still not actually seen them on it because this tour keeps getting pushed back, so I've not actually seen them perform all those awesome newer songs yet. Um, so I would very much like to see that happen. Do you want to take the next question, Seltz? Yeah. Um, well, actually, we're going to... Have, have we, has anyone ever had a ticket for four or more years? Oh, sorry. Yeah, good point. Um, I can't say I have. No, I think the tickets I've got for next year are probably the longest I've had tickets because some of them were from this year. So that'll be kind of at least 18 months in the making for me. I, I, actually, you know what? There's actually a ticket that I'll probably have for, I've held for four years. Like, If you're talking about ones that you kept or ones that went to happen. And for me, it's Bombers, which is um, Abbott and um, Tora from... Uh, uh, they, used to, they used to be an old funeral together. Their band Bombers, which is a Motorhead tribute band, and um, I've seen him live once in Bergen, and like it's it's so uncanny how much he sound. He can like 
how much Abba sounds like Lemmy when he when he wants to. And the band are killer. And they were supposed to play the Black Heart uh, two years ago. It was cancelled because of the drone over the airport. Was it, was it wow. Heathrow? That was ages ago. Yeah. So uh, that so they were supposed to fly come out fly over on the one day of that stupid fucking drone because that cancelled that that tour. Then they're supposed to play last year, but um, Abbath was in rehab, and it was put back to this year. So, um, but I actually bought I bought tickets for it, and so yeah, I might end up. Who knows? I might end up having that for four years before it actually happens. Wow. I I used yeah. to keep like, there's one ticket I kept for years, which was um, I was a huge Pixies and Throne Muses fan, so I always see them every time they played when the first albums came out uh, in like late eighties, and when I heard they're playing the forum, which is called the Town and Country Club, I went straight there and I had ticket number 0001. So I kept that. And then one day my wallet got stolen. I didn't really care what else was in it, apart from the fact that it had my ticket in it. That was hard. Oh, that sucks that it got stolen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, but throwing me some pixies at the forum, or oh, it was just, oh my God, it was amazing. Just, That's pretty big. Pixies yeah. are supporting uh, Pearl Jam at that rearranged high parking next year, aren't they? I mean, that is whoever's booking that knows their audience. <laughs> I always take off from that show. I, I saw I saw them around the time of like Come on Pilgrim and and Surfer Rosa, um, but I was actually more obsessed with Throne Muses at the time, uh, which is which is an incredible band and their first debut album called Throne Muses, um, which sadly isn't on Spotify or Apple Music, is one of the literally like psychologically scarring albums I've ever heard. Uh, it became a lot more easygoing after that, but it's uh, one of the most intense records I've ever heard. Wow. Right. All right. Go on then, Sales. Take the next question. Yeah. is asking, so it says, many bands have used this enforced break to release new material, either albums or singles, or at least do live streams, which, if any band, do you like to hear from before we return to normal? Personally, he'd love to hear something from Limbiscuit. That'd be pretty cool. And a right, uh, you know, you know, it's how I switched to uh, second person. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to say the words, no. I'd love to hear something from Limp Bizkit. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I, think, I think people would have worked it out, Jonathan. <laughs> I'd also like to hear something from Limp Bizkit. When are we getting the elephant record? Yeah, perhaps. Oh, God, no. That's, elephants. That elephant record has been... Um, elephants, that's it. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, that that Elephant record has been in um, development hell since I've been at Metal Hammer. Yeah, it has. <laughs> Fucking hell. Crazy. Um, I I mean, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, well, one of the annoying things about listening to amazing new bands from out, uh, amazing new albums is that you know you're not going to get to see them perform live anytime soon. And also there's some bands that you kind of want them all to be able to get in a studio together and, and play together and do it properly for it to work. So I was kind of thinking like, well, who can actually just probably make an album as good as it possibly can be anyway, even in the current climate, it's probably someone that doesn't have to rely on other musicians so much and blah, 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 blah. blah. Um, so I thought Carpenter Brute, I would love to hear a new Carpenter Brute album. It's been a couple of years since Leather Teeth. Um, I've got to say the Dan Terminus album that recently came out, if you like Synthwave, is really good. It just crept into my top 20 right at the last minute, um, which I'll reveal more of on a later date. Uh, but yeah, I'm still loving my Synthwave and I feel like Carpenter Brute has all the kind of stuff he needs to produce a great album. Um, so I'd love to hear that. Uh, and on a kind of similar note, although 
maybe I'd want to wait until they can actually tour it. I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure Liam Howlett is making new Prodigy music, and I would love to hear that again at some point. As much of an emotional thing as it would be um, after Keith dying, uh, I would, you know, I think that would be a pretty amazing thing to have to kind of just get released into the into the world from nothing. So, those are my votes. What are yours, L? I would like to hear some new music from Ramstein because they've posted a photo from the studio and I would very much enjoy that if they were to release something. But I'm not holding my breath because it was a decade between the last release and the one before. So we'll see. And in terms of streams, I'd like to see Merca in a forest because I really like the folk science record from this year and it'd be cool to just like see her doing that out in the wild somewhere. That would be very cool. I would like to see that. Uh, anything, any albums you'd like to see kind of, or, or new music from any band you'd like to kind of see uh, at the first available opportunity, Seltz? Yeah, well, I mean, so, well, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of stick, stick to live streams, really, because I have a few bit of inside information on some really interesting stuff coming up next year that I'm, I'm, I can't really talk about because it hasn't been announced yet. But there's some very interesting stuff coming out next year that I'm really excited about. But uh, and and a, and a very in collaboration event. Um, so for live streams, I like to either see something that that can really get a sense of intimacy. Maybe you can do with a live stream. So Oceans of Slumber I'd be, would be amazing. Um, I'd love to see Solstafir do something outdoors in in Iceland, and. Because I love this record, and it, it didn't make my top 20, but I just absolutely love it anyway, is the Night Flight Orchestra do something with loads of neon and 80s stuff everywhere. Because, um, yeah, that's, it's by far my favourite Night Flight Orchestra record. Kind of it, Bjorn's Speed Strip from Solwork doing, like, AOR. Um, you know how much me, I love heat. It's in that kind of vein. Maybe not different kind of cheesy, but just you can tell, just tell the guy is in his is in his happy place when he's making this new record. Was in his happy place when he's making this new record. Um, yeah, so uh, that that would be amazing to 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 see as well too. Cool. Yeah, I didn't do a stream, did I? Um, those are all fantastic choices. Uh, I would like to see a stream from Backwash because I feel like if she could create a kind of visual event that could match the tone and the themes of just the crazy journey of that album from this year. Um, I think that would be brilliant. Uh, Matt, Mark Baker says, uh, a recent question provoked a thought in me. With so many genres and bands available at the touch of a smartphone, have you considered running a series of articles titled Metal Hammer's Guide 2, where the history of a genre or scene is given alongside some important albums in that area? For instance, I know Stephen Hill has previously written a piece on the Boston hardcore scene and a recent question asked for black metal starter album suggestions. This is something we've talked about, isn't it, Al? We've talked about it so many times. We started doing a series, but it's kind of faded out. But every now and then we do bring back a feature that's a guide to a genre. So if you go onto the website, you can read that piece by Steve on Boston hardcore. You can also read Dom Lawson's Guide to the Gothenburg Scene, that's listed under the heading Unchained Melody, Revisiting the Influential Gothenburg Sound. And you can also read Chris Chandler's Story of Thrash Metal from 1985 to 1989. Yeah, I really like the idea of like doing these kind of micro scenes rather than just like talking about a genre or subgenre in, in general. Talk about 
particular moments, like catalytic moments in time or political areas or, or, or particular sort of like scenes, like smaller scenes. Like we did a piece uh, in the magazine a while back on the New York scene in the early 90s where you had um, either these really groove heavy bands like um, Unsane and Prong. And then you had um, two bands I always thought were psychologically really and, and sonically really bound in the early 90s, which was early typo negative, like slow, deep and hard. And um, and uh, Life of Agony, Circa River Runs Red. Um, and and yeah, you've just the more you narrow down what you talk about, the more interesting, the, the more you, you get to light on a particular way of thinking that those bands had. Um, and it kind of brings into sharper relief. So I like the idea of like really, yeah, of micro scenes of like scenes within scenes. Um, and if you narrow it down, you get, you get really interesting stories um, and how, you know, ideas kind of spread amongst bands and what the, and what their ideals were and, and their psychologies and everything at that time. So I, I love doing those. You can read that piece by Ken McIntyre on loudersound.com as well, the Metal Hammer website. And it's called The Rise and Fall of New York's 90s Metal Scene. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, 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 was, yeah, it was a particular time and there's a particular time and a particular place. And I love those kind of stories. Yeah. And um, we, uh, we will definitely do more of those down the line as well. Um, you know, there's a, uh, the pandemic kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of slightly changed up how we had to kind of organize a commission and in a lot of cases write features. But um, we will definitely get back on that kind of stuff very soon. Excellent suggestion, Mark Baker. Should we do one more question, Al? Sure, why not? This is from Steve Roland Ratliner Douglas, and he asks, Stephen, sorry, not Steve, Stephen Roland Ratliner Douglas. Yeah, get that part right. Yeah, right. <laughs> don't, make him, don't make him look silly. And he asks, what's your favourite live stream so far, and which one are you looking forward to next? Um, for me, um, I mean, it's the the whole it wasn't like a live stream, but the kind of download event I enjoyed a lot. Um, you know, as a part of the whole kind of streaming culture. In terms of actual live streams, for me, it's by far and away Trivium. Um, I thought a light or a, a light or a distant mirror was amazing, and it really felt the closest to actually being at a gig that I've really felt. Especially knowing so many other people were watching at the same time as me, and I was kind of we were texting each other and just really enjoying it. I love that. Um, but also a big shout out to Code Orange as well, who kind of did that awesome stream of their own near the start of lockdown. They kind of really came out of the blocks fast with all that. So those would be my two immediate choices, although there have been a lot of good ones. I agree with your choices. I also really love the Catatonia one, just because you got to hear new material from City Burials and it felt really personal. It was just kind of them in like a studio space and it was really nicely filmed. And um, that's something they're releasing as well. Uh, I think my favorite, my favorite, from from like a, just a pure from a spectacle as much, just yeah, it was just it was everything really. It was Eamon Ra um, during the European Metal Festival Alliance? Um, like they really thought about what they'd done, the way they they were kind of all in a circle around a fire with all these like uh, beacons uh, converging, and it was just it was it was absolutely magical. So that was that's probably one of my that's what my favorite. The other ones I really enjoyed, uh, obviously, were Ranty Pazuzu, one of the early ones. Oh, they just played the whole album in full, and they, but they really thought about how they presented it. I mean, they're not like they're not showmen in any way, but the whole they had a different treatment for each song, and um, it was just incredible. And the enslaved shows were amazing as well. I mean, the, the new the new the last one of the 
of that kind of tour they did of the three, where they played the new songs from Utgard. And again, they thought about how they presented it. Again, another band in a circle facing inwards. Um, but the sound was incredible. The production was, re was, 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 it kind of told a story as well too. It was a bit short, um, but, um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just a balance put on top of the game and so incredibly tight. Um, and it, it just sounded absolutely pristine. Yeah. Fantastic choices. Um, and I've, you know, I've got to say, I really am excited about some of these other streams that are coming up. Another Trivium stream, uh, the Putifer stream, um, the Metallica stream looks great, and the Orange Goblin stream celebrating the 25th anniversary is going to be great as well. So there's plenty of stuff to look forward to, plenty of stuff to get excited about, not least of all the latest issue of Metal Hammer, which is out right now, featuring the one and only Judas Priest on the cover. Uh, we always appreciate your support in these crazy old times, so thank you very much for... Uh, hanging with us and supporting us during this year um and we will as always be back next week and let us know as i said if you'd like us to do something special for hybrid theory uh, or any other album that's coming up and uh, has an anniversary on the way um we are always open to ideas so let us know and uh we will see you next week so in the meantime stay safe stay metal goodbye everybody goodbye bye